Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster, as well as the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey West Regional Championship. What a mouthful. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean and Patrick Stedman, as always. You know, it's it, that's usually how it's going to be, but it's a podcast formality to introduce everybody in the show, so that way if somebody new joins the show, they know exactly who's talking. But I don't know, Arif, it's, I think it's been a long time since we've had a new listener. What do you think? A new listener or a new... Just like a, somebody who jumps on and said, this is my first Hockey Mountain High podcast. I don't know, man. I think we're growing by the week. People are spreading the word and getting the buzz out. And, you know, we've had a lot of good reviews coming in lately. So let's let's keep that positive vibes going. Let's keep that positive momentum. Keep sharing and telling your friends. And as JJ says, tell your moms, tell your mom's friends, tell your friends' moms, tell all the moms, tell everybody. Yeah, I love that. So if this is your first podcast, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at JJ of the year, at RunRightArif. And then I'm sure if you just look up Patrick Stedman, I don't know his Twitter handle, but you'll find him in there somewhere. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Let's get to some avalanche hockey. I mean, it hasn't been ugly. We're in an uncomfortable situation here on this podcast because, because the avalanche have lost three of their last four games. Not something we are very familiar with, but the real talking point here is the blowing of leads, right, Arif? And I said leads. Don't get your mind out of the gutter here. Of course, they won the game against the Islanders, but that one was a close one, right? They gave up a lead, and, and Islanders almost squeaked back in there late. I think another five, ten minutes of that game, Islanders might have gotten Not back even. in it. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, the New Jersey game, up 3 nothing, and, and blowing that lead, ultimately going to a loss. So I guess to start off the po- podcast here, Arif, what is the deal? What's the deal with these giving up the lead of losses, right? Last thing before I let you speak here, sorry, is we remember like a week or two ago, they were getting in a habit of coming from behind, right? Giving up yeah. early leads and having to, to battle their way back. Now they're starting to get in the habit of getting those early leads and giving them up. So it's weird to see them kind of ride this roller coaster at this point in the season. Yeah, it's an 82-game season, and that's kind of what happens. Um, I think the Avalanche are struggling right now from... Just, you know, the thing that we've been pretty much complimenting Jared Bednar and the team with team four for the last three months is their ability to uh, wake up every day and have motivation to play these games. And I think they're struggling from that right now because you're seeing them come out and play strong for five or ten minutes. You're seeing, you know, Nathan McKinnon score a lot of goals and Nazem Kadri put up a lot of assists. And, you know, this very underrated, barely talked about Kill Makar assist streak that he's got going on. He just passed Joe Sackick for the longest in franchise history, not as just a defenseman and not just as an avalanche player, but in franchise history. Like he's he's got an assist every game, but then it just kind of looks like they get bored. And, like, this is the most arrogant thing I've ever said on this podcast as somebody that covers the Avalanche. Like, our team is so good. The team that we cover is so good that they just got bored of winning. Like, it just kind of seems like what you usually see in January, February, the boring months of the year leading up to it, ramping up in March, you're seeing it from the Avalanche right now. And had the playoffs been normal and scheduled in early April as usual, I'd be a little concerned by that because you want about a good month of hockey going into the playoffs, really get in that groove. But it's March 9 and the regular season ends April 29. And there's a ton of games between this date and that date. And, you know, there's a lot of time to write whatever is going wrong and fix whatever's not working. But it's really strange right now. They're making boneheaded mistakes. They're giving up bad goals. They're being outplayed for large portions of games. And Miko Rantanen said it after the Devils game. We were awful. And, uh, you know, I had people coming out and saying, you know, it's a second of a back to back and this. And I'm like, 
the guy playing on the top line literally said we sucked. Um, I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. And we'll let's have a little chat about that. Let's try to brainstorm together what it is. But it just seems like they're not in it right now. Boredom is one theory. I, I look at the Islanders game and I feel like we've seen kind of that similar result a million times except for the little comeback the Islanders put together, yeah. right? It was 1-1 for a majority of that game and then all of a sudden a five-minute span avalanche just pop off. Goal, 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 goal. Suddenly it's 5-1 and I'm sure everybody, including the Islanders, thought, all right, this one's over. Final score is probably 5-1 here. The weird part is that they did end up getting back into that game somehow and Francis kind of fell apart after having such a strong first and second period. But let's not forget that this is the second, the New Jersey Devil game, anyway, was the second night of a back-to-back on the road. And they lost that game kind of later on in that game, right? Once the legs start to get tired, once the fatigue starts to kick in from a classic back-to-back road games here. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of my theory that I'm leaning towards, that this team is just getting tired. I mean, we saw before the All-Star break, we heard it from a million people that they were exhausted, right? They were going basically every other night, and they were winning, and they were having some strong games, but they were tired. And I don't think that a quick all-star break rejuvenates you so much that you should be able to last throughout March. So I think that fatigue is just starting to kick in again, and you know it's it's going to be have have to be something that they have to shake because they're not getting much of a break from here on out. So um, I don't want to make excuses for them here. I'm just theorizing, but that's that's what I feel is what is what makes the most sense it's just simple fatigue i mean boredom can kind of be thrown into that mix and um just a, just a bump in the road right i mean these things are going to happen ups and downs and we've seen a couple teams beat them as of late to where i've said it it looks like there's a recipe out there to beat this team i'm not sure if that's exactly what the uh, new jersey devils followed i don't feel like it is but they they have their holes. This isn't a perfect team. It's gonna they're going through the ups and downs of a season, and they're still by far the best team in the West. So obviously no time to panic. But yeah, we're theorizing as to this slip because we're not used to it here on Hockey Mountain High. We're used to talking wins. Yeah. So what you just said right there, it's a blip in the road, is is kind of the way that it seems. Like, you know, like you said, they're the best team in the West by far. And looking at the standings, second in the West is the Calgary Flames. The Avalanche are up on them by twelve points. But the Flames have two games in hand. So potentially between eight and 12 points ahead of them, which is, you know, four games, if not more. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are on their tail. The Florida Panthers are on their tail. The Tampa Bay Lightning, then the Maple Leafs and the Rangers and the Penguins, obviously all in the Eastern Conference. But what you're seeing happening right now to the Avalanche is kind of the same thing you can say around the NHL. Everybody's going to play a lot of games in this last stretch. Everybody is, you know, going to have to find a way to motivate themselves. So the Carolina Hurricanes are in a division where they've got a pretty good lead on the other teams, but they're fighting Florida, Tampa, and potentially Toronto for first place in the Eastern Conference, which is a big deal because there's three ways to look at races. There is the President's Trophy, where no matter who you play, you've got home ice advantage. There's first place in your conference so that no matter who you play in the first three rounds leading up to the Stanley Cup, you for sure got home ice advantage. And then there's winning your division so that you're the top seed to start the first round with home ice advantage. And then there's just making the playoffs in general. So the Avalanche have cleared all of those hurdles to the point where right now, the only thing that makes realistic sense that they can lose if things kind of, you know, slip away from them a little bit, which they kind of have been lately, is the President's Trophy. But the Carolina Hurricanes 
their motivation is trying to get that first seed. Same with the Florida Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The crazy part about those three teams I just said is they're third, fourth, and fifth in the NHL, but that's one, two, three in their division. So the fifth place team in the NHL, the Toronto Maple Leafs, if the playoffs start today, are starting the playoffs on the road, which is just outrageous. That's you know a whole other conversation about the playoff. Uh, just the way that it's formatted. So then you got the teams like the Rangers, the Penguins, they're fighting for positioning, the Bruins, the Blues, the Capitals, the Kings, the Wild, the Preds, the Stars, the Vegas Golden Knights, who suddenly aren't you know guaranteed to make the playoffs, the Edmonton Oilers outside, the Anaheim Ducks outside. You get the point. A lot of these teams have something to play for. So whether you're tired or not, whether there's a blip in the road or not, whether you're fatigued, whether it's been a lot of games, you got injuries, you got to wake up every single day and play your ass off or you're not going to make the playoffs. And if you're in the playoffs, you're going to lose that home ice advantage you thought you were going to have. How do the Avalanche motivate themselves right now? I'm not sure that it's the entire Avalanche that do. I mean, you look at the latest goal scorers, you're seeing a lot of McKinnon, you're seeing a lot of McCarr, you're seeing Landeskog, Granton, and Burakovsky, um, a pinch from Comfer. But I feel like the depth is really where it struggles, especially the defense, right? I mean, you look at Taves, you look at McCarr, those are adequate, more than adequate point getters. But the guys below him, we talked about how tough Sam Girard played the other night. We haven't seen much from EJ except for an empty net recently. Obviously, Jack Johnson doesn't have much up his sleeve in terms of offense. I think the depth needs to find a way to dig a little deeper and start producing because you're seeing it from the top guys right now. They're carrying all the weight. Like you mentioned, McCarr's point streak is phenomenal right now. Well, I'm I'm sure there's a handful of guys that are on a pointless streak that's even longer. So I I think there's the depth really needs to look at themselves in the mirror and and find a way to, to dig deeper yeah so dating back to that game against the red wings the avalanche have played eight times they are surprisingly five two and one despite you know the recent losses in those eight games kale mccarr's got 14 points nathan mckinnon's got 12 he only played seven of them because he missed the detroit game gabe landeskog seven goals 10 points devon taves nine points Kadri nine, Burakovsky eight, Rantanen eight, Nichushkin five points in six games. So what I just went through right now is your top six forwards as well as your top pair defensemen. This is the last eight games. After that, Alex Newhook in eight games has five assists. Logan O'Connor in eight games has three assists. JD Conver in eight games has two goals. That's your third line. And then Tyson Jost has one goal in seven games. Darren Helm won assist in seven games. Curtis McDermott and Abe Kubel have played six and seven games respectively, both with zero points. So that Curtis McDermott offense has gone way down. Sam Girard in his last eight games has one assist. And, you know, the one thing that we could say about Sam Girard is he puts up points. But right now he's got 27 points in 56 games. He's not even at a half a point per game pace. In fact, Sam Girard right now despite being third in the avalanche, you know, in, uh, in time on, in time on ice on defense has one point since January 30th and it's March 9th. So his offense has dried up and that's kind of made it, you know, he plays a lot with Eric Johnson. So if he's going to generate the offense, sometimes Eric Johnson will, you know, pitch in on secondary assists or maybe a first assist or even a goal. But what you're seeing is outside of Devon Taves and Kale McCarr, they're not getting a lot of goals or even points in general right now. And the crazy thing is, again, McCarr's got 14 points in eight games and Devontae's has nine in eight games. Like, they're incredible. But the rest of the defense just is not pitching in offensively. And then on offense, outside of your top six, where 
you know, the only guy who's below a point per game pace is Val Nichushkin, and he's got five points in six games. Nobody's really scoring. JT Comfer's got two goals. Tyson Jost has one. That's it. All New Hook has our assists. All O'Connor has our assists. And then the guys at the bottom are all 1-1-0-0-0. So, like, what's happening right now is the top guys are pitching in. The rest of the team really isn't. And, you know, maybe that's a conversation that this team needs to have, too, is how much depth scoring do they have? And when they have it, can you rely on it for a long playoff run? Because what we saw beginning of the season is O'Connor was scoring like crazy. Eric Johnson was scoring like crazy. Alex Newhook kind of burst onto the scene after his AHL stint. These guys are going to go through highs and lows. There's peaks and valleys, especially for bottom six players. You just need them to peak at the right time, which is pretty good because right now they're kind of deep down in that valley. So they just need to kind of work out of it. Yeah, it, it's such a challenge, too, considering that those bottom six forwards and the, the bottom couple defensemen are limited in ice time, too, right? So it's tough to say, hey, we need you to start producing more on these limited minutes. So it's an expe- expectation that's tough to meet, but, I mean, they have to figure out a way to get them going. I'm not going to ask you what does it take yeah. to get them going because I don't even think Jared Bednar knows or else he would get them going right now. But those guys that you all just named, that you just named, all those guys need to step up. So Newhook has played 15 minutes a game, but you know that's kind of it's a little bit higher than usual because he obviously played on the bottom on the top six when Nichushkin was mm-hmm. out. Logan O'Connor from the third line, I know he plays a lot of shorthanded minutes, but he's playing 13 a game. J- JT Confer's playing 15 a game, and then Tyson Jose is playing just under 10, 9.58 a game. So I don't know, like it's it's not a lot of time, but at the same time. I guess it's enough to at least produce a little bit of points. Sam Gerrard, like that's the one that's the, like puzzling for me because he gets power play minutes too and a lot of them. He plays 21 minutes a night. Um, Eric Johnson, I love what the Avalanche are doing with him right now. He plays 14 minutes a game. You know what he's going to bring to the team and they let him play that role. Jack Johnson even plays above EJ in the lineup right now. He's at 16 minutes a game and we've seen him paired with Sam Gerrard a lot recently. And then Ryan Murray's your sixth defenseman. He's playing 14 minutes a game. So, yeah, their time on ice isn't necessarily very high, but at the same time, like, how much higher can it be? Because, yeah, we're talking about O'Connor playing 13 and Comfort playing 15, but Berkey plays 17 and so does Val, and then Nas plays 19, and then obviously your top line is up in the 19, 21, and 24, or 21 and 22 range. So, like, and again, I'm going based off of the the last eight games. I'm not going full season. I'm just the recent stretch that the Avalanche have played. So, like, I don't know. Like when I look at the way that the time on ice is being allocated, I'm seeing it, it. It makes sense for your top line and then your second line and then your third line are the same with the, you know, the defensive pairings. Your top pairing is paying 25 minutes a night. Kale's at 25.45 and Devon Taves is at 24.53. And then the avalanche, it's a little bit weird because they have a top three and a bottom three instead of like a top pair, a second pair and a third pair. So the ice time is at least allocated enough for some of those guys to put up a little bit of points, but they're just not producing they were like they were in the beginning of the year. And of course, when it matters, playoff time, those minutes are going to get skewed even more, right? You're going to have those top six guys and the guys that are producing, you're going to ride them a little bit more. And the depth, you're just that it's going to be tough for them to see minutes as it is. So, of course, you're, you're going to need and, them, but it's not as necessary. And on top of that, let's, you know, this is a big, the big conversation we will have on Monday because our next podcast will be Monday since the Avalanche and the Flames play Sunday. That will be seven days out from the trade deadline. So pick a player. Is it Claude Giroux? Is it Andrew Kopp? Is it Arturi Lekkinen? Is it Brandon Hagel? Is it JT Miller? Is it friggin' Patrick Kane? Whoever you bring in, except for Patrick Kane from that list, whoever you bring in is likely going to play some bottom six minutes. 
you know, maybe JT Miller will play top six as well. But there's a lot of options and a lot of ways to kind of bring that top six or sorry, the bottom six scoring up a little bit, bring it up a notch. Um, but we'll have that conversation on Monday. But that's another way to kind of get things going is bolster the lineup a little bit and just kind of shake things up and rattle up the guys that are there as well as the person that you bring in. Right. And if my math is correct, I have 24 games to go. Plenty of time to keep working out some kinks, keep experimenting with what works, what doesn't, and figure out a way to get some of these guys going a little better. If it's mixing up some of those bottom lines, finding some better pairings, right? I love the idea of forward pairings rather than forward trios. I, I like to look at who builds chemistry with whom and and go from there. But um, let's take a quick second to talk about Total Beverage, our friends over there up in Thornton and Westminster. Everybody already knows Total Beverage both in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that they deliver? Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself, or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need, and more. Arif, let's get to some more negative conversation. There's a stat going around. I mean, not a stat going around. It's, it's just a stat that the uh, Avalanche, in that last eight-game stretch, and just kind of as a whole, goals against are going way up right now, right? And I think that's another reason for some of these struggles and this bump in the road. So let's dive into that a little bit. What What... That used to be a strength. I mean, they're still really good at scoring goals, right? They, I mean, five against the Islanders is not a bad number, and three mediocre, but um, we haven't seen them do less than three too many times this year. So scoring goals isn't the problem, but goals against is going up, and there's an issue, and there's a reason for it. So my question to you is, do you feel that's more of a team defense thing, or are you pointing the finger at the goaltending like a lot of avalanche land are? I think it's it's... I think it's team defense, um, but I think there's also another factor we're not taking into account right now. Which is? Thank you, Patrick. (laughs) Which is that right now, all around the league, goals are way up. So I'm going to go back to my eight-game stretch that I was looking at. You know what? Let's make it 10 games. So let me bring this back to, you know, let's add two more games that the Avalanche have played since the game against the Red Wings. So the Avalanche are 6-3-1 and one in their last 10 games. They've scored 37 goals for, they have surrendered 33, which is a very easy way to calculate what the goals against in the goals for game is per game. Just put a, you know, put a decimal right in between. They're scoring 3.7 per game. They're surrendering 3.3 per game. Now, if I told you that there's 32, obviously there's 32 teams in the NHL. If I told you to rank where the Avalanche are, in terms of that 3.3 goals per game, where would you think they are? Scored or against? Against. They've surrendered 3.3 goals against per game, which is a pretty high number. How low or how high out of the 32 teams do you think that is? Low being, you know... Sure, sure. I, I would say it's in the top third. It's exactly where they are. They're 20th in goals against. Now, the reason why I say that is because of the 32 teams, during this last 10-game stretch... 20 of the teams, like 2-0, more than, more, nearly two, it's hard to say a third or two-third now because there's not 30 teams anymore, it's 32, but nearly two-thirds of the NHL is giving up at least three goals per game. And in that list, the Pittsburgh Penguins, or sorry, not the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Calgary Flames over their last 10 games are giving up three goals per game. 
the Florida Panthers, I'm listing off good teams here, giving up three goals per game. The Tampa Bay Lightning, 3.29. The Colorado Avalanche, 3.30. The uh, Minnesota Wild, 4.33. The Toronto Maple Leafs, 4.50. So I just listed seven playoff teams that are all in that same range. They're all giving up a lot of goals. And it just seems to be the thing going on around the NHL right now. A lot of teams are scoring a lot of goals. And I was actually, you know, I'll I'll get to your conversation really, really quick about what's happening with the Avalanche right now. But around the NHL, not just in this last 10-game blip, but just around the NHL in general, goals are up this year to the point where this is the most goals we've seen in a season since 1995-96. So when the goals are way up, the or or actually since ninety five ninety six that also means for you know our longtime hockey fan listeners the 0506 season coming out of the lockout there's more goals this year than there was that year and that year was considered just like a con- complete anomaly like it came out of nowhere and obviously it was because there was a lot of calls being made in terms of penalties and all the rule changes so on and so forth now what happens when all of your goals go up the safe percentage for goaltending goes down so there's a lot more offense there's a lot less defense. Um, and that's kind of what I, what I think the issue is. I think the issue right now is, you know, we, we look at the avalanche of last year, we look at the avalanche of this year and like, there's nothing that you can say to tell me that the last year team is better than this year's team. A lot of their guys have taken steps. Yes. You lost Brandon Saad and Donskoy and guys like that. You lost Ryan Graves as the depth piece, but Devon Taves is twice the player he was last year. As good as Kel McCarr was last year, he's much better this year. All of the top six forwards are pretty much having career years, maybe outside of Burakovsky. Everybody's just better. But at the same time, there's something wrong with the team defense. And I don't know if it's an avalanche issue or an NHL league-wide issue. But to me, there's an issue with team defense, especially in this recent stretch. I could feel that. And you know me, I'm a goalie myself, so I don't like to point the finger at the goalie. I think there's six guys on the ice that have to help with the defensive unit and essentially six guys on the ice to help play goalie. However, I definitely think the goaltending has dropped, right? We've seen Francouz have a couple um, shaky games. We've seen Kemper definitely have some shaky games and, and get a little bit leaky and let in some weak goals. I mean, you look at the the great month they had in January and even some of February. Actually, it's from January 15th to February 16th. So a little more than exactly one month. They had five shutouts. Now, you can't tell me that's all on team defense. That's when the goaltending was hot. That's when the goaltending was playing great. And the team defense was there too. But you weren't seeing any of these fluky goals. I don't even want to call them fluky. Just ugly goals, right? Just one, bad goals, yeah. The, just, bad goals. yeah. Yeah, just the leaky ones that, that I've been saying. Leaky has... Yeah. I'm, I've never used the word leaky to describe a goaltender before, and I said it once on our podcast the other day, and I can't stop saying the word leaky now to describe Darcy Kemper. It just... I feel like it's it fits him perfectly. He's a good goaltender. You see him make some good saves. You see him go up against New Jersey and have a couple sequence saves that I think are phenomenal, right? He's really good at those sequences. The, the save, rebound, save, save, save. Um, finally gets it covered. But then you're seeing one hit his shoulder and go in or squeak underneath his armpit and go in. And and those are the ones that are so frustrating. So to answer my own question, I'm going to point the finger at the goaltending. I think that, just like the depth scoring, needs to turn it up a notch and go back to the way they were playing a month ago. I mean, I, I'm not going to complain about that. I think there is obviously something to be said about the fact that you know, I know you did uh, January 15 and February 16, but just in the month of January in general, like how many times did the Avalanche win games that they shouldn't have won when they went 15-0-1? 
mm-hmm. whether they were just having a bad game all around and the goalie goaltending saved their bacon the entire way or whether they, you know, would fall behind early and then the goaltending, which, you know, kind of tighten up and take over. Pavel Francouz would come in in relief against the Maple Leafs and take over something like that. The big thing was there was a lot of games where the goaltending was saving their bacon and that's kind of not happening right now. But it's also, again, I need to make sure that we reiterate this because we've been talking and you even like mentioned it when we went into this conversation. You said, let's talk about something else that's negative. I need to reiterate this. The sky is not falling. The avalanche are okay. This is a blip in the road. They've won 41 games. They are the best team in the NHL right now and probably will be at the end of the season. It's okay. But all we're doing is just kind of looking over the last couple games and they haven't been that good. The last stretch of games hasn't really been that good. And that's all we're doing. So now that we've re, you know, we've kind of reiterated that to make sure that people don't know we're just trying to, you know, make everybody feel like the sky's falling and this team is sucks and they should sell off all their free agents and see how many draft picks they can get for Kadri and Burakovsky and start over. The reality is, yes, the goaltending hasn't been up there too. But to me, it's more, it goes back to my initial point. They just seem bored. Like the team is not playing well in general. And the biggest thing is, the goaltending and the team are on the same team. They're both, they're all avalanche players, but the team as a whole, the defense, potentially even the goaltending, the team defense in general just isn't cutting it right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, I, I, I want to look at that New Jersey game, right? And I've said it a million times, both on this podcast and on the hockey show. New Jersey's one of those teams that's sneaky good. And any night they can come out and beat a really good team. They've done it a lot. They've beat Toronto. They've beat Pittsburgh. Uh, they've beat Carolina this year. You know, they've done it a few times. So I think you get into a 3 nothing lead on the road on the second night of a back-to-back. You're kind of like, hey, uh, hey, we're feeling good. We might be winning. And then once New Jersey kind of steps it up, your legs are not really under you and you get caught off guard and maybe got caught sleeping a little bit. And we, we've seen that issue from the Avalanche before, right? They only like to play half a game very often. And that's exactly what we saw in New Jersey. That's kind of what we saw in uh, Long Island. And we've seen it probably more often than not this season. Yeah, I think the the New Jersey game, the biggest thing with that game is they didn't really have a good first period either. They were outshot 14 to 8 or something like that, and they just they, they got goals. I mean, the first goal, Nathan McKinnon literally batted the puck out of the air. It was incredible. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, that was a great goal. But um, like the New Jersey game, they just didn't have a good game in general. And that's what the difference is. Like, how many times, I mean, maybe the Boston game three weeks ago, like how many times has this team really had very bad games like that for an entire game? They just haven't happened much this season, especially since November. So it just seems like something's a little bit out of sorts right now. But I also feel like they haven't had a complete game that often this season either from a 60-minute start to finish. They usually find times yeah. to take a break. They've had quite a few. Yeah, they've had quite a few, but not a lot. Um, but then again, it's the NHL. There's a salary cap. Every team is flawed right now. The Avalanche are just less flawed than the other ones right now. That's why they're at the top of the standings. I was going to ask you guys, to not to put you on the spot too bad, but... How much confident, if you had to put it on, I'll go one to 10, 10 being you have Andre Vasilevsky and one being, you know, a really terrible goaltender. Um, where do you guys. Jonas Johansson. Yeah, there you go. Oh, perfect. JJ. Ouch. Um, so where do you guys put Kemper on your confidence rating? And let me preface this by saying every time I go down the road of considering trading for somebody else, there's not a better option out there that really makes sense. So I'm not saying. There's a trade that makes sense out there we should make. However, I am curious to get you guys' feeling on it. Like, 
one to ten. What, how are you guys feeling? I don't have a lot of confidence in the guy, to be honest with you. All right. Um, I, I I would say about a six or seven um, with the idea in mind that 75% of the NHL is right there with the Avalanche at a six or seven. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. JJ, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think six or seven is accurate just because we've seen what he does in the playoffs, right? I mean, I, I get tired of all the people that say, oh, well, you know, he's used to facing 40 to 50 shots. Yeah, but if you remember during that season against the Avalanche, you know, he really only came out and stole one game. Other than that, the Avalanche lit him up for five, six goals at a time. So um, I'm not sure that's a, a viable theory, but I do think he's adequate. He He has what it takes to get the job done as long as the team in front of him is performing and not giving up dangerous chances because we know with the offense that they have they have a little bit of wiggle room to have a shaky goalie back there let's be honest they, they do have the room who knows if it's sustainable in the playoffs so uh, I'm not 100% confident with him either Patrick but at the same time like we mentioned before this is the bed they made there's no option there's no turning back now so it's just make the best of what you got here ride or die with with the guys you brought in and do your best to ride instead of die yeah, and I kind of I kind of like what you said there earlier about like you're thinking of what could be a better option and you're not really coming up with an idea of what could be a better option. So let's kind of do this because we often get DMs about this and it, it would be worth breaking this down real quick. So I'm gonna go into the wild card standings. I'm gonna start with the Western with the Eastern Conference. The top of the Metropolitan Division is the Carolina Hurricanes. Their starting goalie is Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson has a reputation after signing with them this summer from the Maple Leafs, that the guy can't win a series in the playoffs. He doesn't, he's not a playoff performer. So the Carolina Hurricanes have a really good regular season goalie right now, but you know, are there fans sitting there saying Freddie Anderson is going to lead us to the promised land? Probably not. They're probably around a six or seven. Second place, New York Rangers, they're at a 10, like full stop. Their team is in the playoffs because of Igor Shesterkin. He might even win the Hart Trophy. He's pretty much all but got the Vezina locked up unless something crazy happens. I get it there. Pittsburgh Penguins, Tristan Jari, terrible season last year, or er, good season last year, bad in the playoffs, rebounded well in the regular season again this year. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. People are looking at the Penguins, and I'm sure Penguin fans are sitting there thinking, yeah, we're about a six or seven right now. Let's see what Jari can do in the playoffs. Florida Panthers, Spencer Knight's not having a good year. That's your young guy. The guy that's leading the charge is Sergei Bobrovsky. I've never seen a more inconsistently consistent goaltending goaltender in the NHL where one year he's Winning Vezina trophies the next year, he's a bottom NHL goalie. Then he's winning another, then he's a bottom. And he kind of goes back and forth. Luckily for the Panthers, he's having a good year this year. But that could change on a dime. So they're probably a 6 or 7. Tampa Bay Lightning, full stop. Vasilevsky, they're at a 10. They know he can do it. He's done it. He's done it the last two years. Third place, Toronto Maple Leafs. Ever since I talked up Jack Campbell as being one of the best goalies in the friggin' NHL and the guy that'll backstop the Avalanche next year, he has been bad. I read the stat a couple minutes ago when I said that Toronto Maple Leafs have given up 4.5 goals a game over the last 10 because Jack Campbell's not stopping the puck. Neither is Peter Morazic. I don't want to even say that the Maple Leafs, as good as they are, and the fact that they potentially have the MVP and Austin Matthews on their team, I wouldn't even say they're at a 6 or 7. I would say they are less. Then you go into the wild card for the Eastern Conference. Boston Bruins, Tuka Rask retired. They got Olmark. They got Swayman. They don't know. They're at a 6 or 7. The Capitals are the final team that's expected to make the playoffs in the East. I would say they are less than a six or seven. So what we've got out of the eight teams in the Eastern Conference are Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, and a whole bunch of Kempers. If not a goalie less than Kemper. Would you agree with kind of that sentiment for the Eastern Conference? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would. Yeah, so now let's take it to the Western Conference. Again, I'm only doing this because, like, people are constantly DMing the Avalanche got a trade for a goalie. It's like, okay, that's a good theory, but who? Western Conference, top of the Western Conference, top of the NHL, top of the league, the team with Darcy Kemper, it's the Avalanche. St. Louis Blues, Jordan Bennington is shitting all over himself and all over the bed every single night, and I don't like Jordan Bennington, so I will openly say that. He's losing his job to Vili Husso. I don't think anybody's feeling too confident right now. In fact, if the Blues fans are feeling confident, the Blues in general, it's because in their brain, they're like, Bennington came out of nowhere and won us a cup a few years ago. Vili Husso could probably do the same, but obviously there's no track record of that. They're pretty much right there at a 6 or 7 out of 10. Minnesota Wild, they started off the season strong. Cam Talbot was playing well. Now they are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They are giving up a lot of goals. They can't win a game away from home. They're not doing very good right now. They are less than a 6. Calgary Flames, Jacob Markstrom, they're feeling damn good about it. Los Angeles Kings, Jonathan Quick, they're feeling damn good about him, but how long can he hold it for? Vegas Golden Knights, Robin Leonard, they're not feeling too confident. He's injured. He's healthy. We don't really know. Their backup goalie's not that good. So they're pretty much at a six, if not less. The Nashville Predators are feeling pretty damn good about Yuri, uh, UC Soros. The Dallas Stars have a young goalie in Jake Ottinger that's leading the charge. However, he's young. He's never done it before. We'll see if he can do it. So when you look at the Western Conference, the only playoff team that I would say has a sure thing, or the only two playoff teams that have a sure thing goaltender that you could trade for that will be better than Kemper are Jacob Markstrom and UC Soros. And neither of those guys are moving from their teams. Neither are Vasilevsky and Shesterkin. And then teams outside of the playoffs. Connor Hellebuck, I guess. He's got the reputation, but he's been bad for a few years now. Thatcher Demko, he's not going anywhere. Marc-Andre Fleury is a name that everybody likes to bring up. How much better is he than Darcy Kemper? I don't think much. The last five minutes I have been ranting to say, you're riding with Darcy Kemper. If you want to go trade for another goalie who could maybe give you the same output as Darcy, you do that if you run into a situation where before the deadline, your goalie gets injured and you need a replacement. But outside of that, whether you're confident with Kemper or not, this is your guy. Do you want to go through all the team's backups now? No. Let's go through all the team's <laughs> no. backups. No, the Avalanche. No, we don't. At the- <laughs> no, we don't. Um, Sorry, I just, I had to do it. I keep hearing everybody say, we got it. The Avalanche got to trade for a goalie. It's like, well, who? Who are we, tra- who are they trading for? No, that's me. That's been me for a while now. But I, I just, I, I, again, I am with you. I, who's it going to be? Because I've got nobody. Well, and it's also about who gets hot at the right time. I know that's so cliche to say, that's but you so true. Let's though. look back at the last five years. So Tampa Bay aside, which who who won the last two years? You go back, St. Louis Blues, like you said, Jordan Bennington came out of nowhere. I mean, halfway through the season, that team was terrible. And you ask any Blues fan in January what they thought about their goalie, they probably wouldn't have said very gleaming things about him. Go back another year, Washington Capitals. If you remember, Philip Grubauer got Game One of that playoff because nobody was. Believing leaving in Braden Holtby. He was the better regular season goalie. He was far and away better than Holtby. And then go back another year, Pittsburgh Penguins. That's when they were juggling Marc-Andre Fleury or Matt Murray. They couldn't really decide who to put in net because neither of them was playing particularly stronger than the other. So just about which goalie gets hot. It's, it's such a game of chance when it comes to the playoffs. And at this point, you can't really say whether or not he's going to come through because in years past, a goalie gets hot and takes his team all the way. It's just about who gets hot at the right time. 
Thank you. And and as as silly as that sounds, I mean, if you're a football fan, think of the NFL with a quarterback. How many quarterbacks in the NFL any given year are are studs that could win you a Super Bowl? Yeah, Matt Stafford just went to LA and did it. Yeah, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay the year before that and did it. We're obviously all hoping in Denver that Russell Wilson can do that for the Broncos, but you know, there's Aaron Rodgers, like there's the guy in Kansas, there's the guy in Buffalo. Like how many QBs can you look at and say these guys could win you a, you know, win you a Super Bowl? And I'm not expecting you to answer that question. I'm just saying it's a, kind of the same idea with goaltending is that. So let's bring it back to hockey. This is their guy. You just got to hope he gets hot at the right time because that's how teams win the cup. But you want to know how you make sure that you give Darcy Kemper the best chance to win the cup? You go into the trade deadline and you do whatever the hell you can to make your team better around him. Because if Darcy Kemper has a bad game where he gives up three goals, but your third line winger is, I don't know, Claude Giroux and he can score because Logan O'Connor hasn't scored in a little bit. Well, maybe that's the difference between winning 4-3 or losing 3-2. Yeah. Aim to beat these teams 7-3 every night. If they're giving up three goals a game, <laughs> you score seven. Um, let's take a quick break. Talk. You could, you could fix the team defensively too. I mean, that's that's an option. You can help the defense help Kemper too. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I'm not sure how many depth offense or depth defensemen are available at this trade deadline. I, I'm sure the forward group is much more appealing. Um, but yeah, let's take a second to talk about the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey West Regional Championship hosted by the University of Denver at Budweiser Event Center located on the Ranch Campus in Loveland. Two semifinal games on Thursday, March 24th, and you can get one ticket to go to both of those games or just go to one. Either way, you get one ticket to enter both. Championship game is on March 26th. That's Saturday. You'll need a, a separate ticket to go to that, but you can get two-day packages available, or you could just get single days and pick which games you want to go to. Winner of this regional goes to the Frozen Four in Boston on April 7th and 9th. DU is looking good, so you know we want to come support the hometown team, and there's supposed to be some good names that are slotted to play in this tournament so not something you want to miss if you're a big hockey fan and we know how important the ncaa has been to the uh to feeding the nhl as a great feeder program right so there's multiple hotels within walking distance of the rink multiple bars multiple restaurants go up to loveland that weekend that's march 24th through 26th have yourself a blast and have a great little weekend um moving on Arif, let's look at the schedule ahead we got two games coming up and one against the Carolina Hurricanes, who I think are the real threat to the Avalanche for the other best team in the league right now, right? So I think with that, followed by a Calgary game, the Avalanche have their hands full. Not exactly the best time to be sliding, but also a great time for a tune-up. Yeah, 100%. It's a great time for a tune-up, and it's a great time for them to, I don't want to say come home because they're going to Carolina for the Thursday game which is when you guys are probably listening to this before coming home for the Sunday game against the flames, a great time for the players to sit and look in the mirror and just say, yeah, this is the time for us to get our shit back together. Um, you know, there isn't something where you have to get coached through this or practice through this. Like this is a good team. They've won 41 games for a reason and they know what they need to do to clean up their act. And maybe it just takes playing two really damn good teams here coming up. Yeah. And I mean, these are really the only two games coming up that you have to really pick yourself up by the bootstraps and work hard because after Carolina and Calgary, they kind of get a little bit of a break with LA who's been surging, but we know the Avalanche can take care of them. San Jose, Edmonton, Vancouver, then Philadelphia. So you get a nice little two weeks of not such difficult teams. I mean, you're going to have to bring it. We saw a loss to the Arizona Coyotes recently. We've seen how some uh, bottom feeder teams are, are, are surging a little bit as well. So 
focus on these next two games, have some great showings, and then you get a little bit of a of a. I really don't want to call it a break because it's the NHL. It's tough. It's physical, and and every I mean, game you just lost to the Devils and the right. and the Coyotes. Like it happens. But really, you got to bring it for these next two games and and resurrect yeah. yourself here a little bit. So that being said, in your opinion, what would you call a success in these next two games? I mean, uh, we know they're sliding. We know they're comfortable in points. Do they need to win both of these to make you feel like they're back on track? Not necessarily, but also I want to kind of tread lightly with how I say this, but you don't need to win both, but you need to play well. And and I'm not going to sit here and if the Avalanche lose two to one in two really, really good games and get goalied in both games and come out and be like, yeah, they didn't know. It's not that it's, you know, let's go back to last week's game against the Calgary Flames three to three going into overtime. They lost on a three on three overtime goal where they kind of had a quick breakdown and the Calgary Flames scored again on a coin flip game. That's in overtime. It's three on three. Jared Bednar was very open about it. He he was fine with the way his team played. Is he fine with the way his team has played since then? More than likely not. But that game, he was fine. Well, let's let's revisit that post game press conference. Right, you had Gabe Landeskog in there after a loss, and he didn't have that same "we just lost" energy that maybe he had in that Arizona game. Right, and same with Jared Bednar. You go back to that Arizona loss that broke their streak and. There was some anger in that room. You could feel it. It was palpable. Gabe Landeskog was pretty mightily angry. Jared Bednar a little bit more chill, but you knew he was a little bit rattled about that loss. But then you go to that Calgary loss, and it was just a good game, hard fought. The Avalanche played well throughout, and neither the captain nor the coach were really down on the team. So, um, yeah, I think that supports 100% what you were saying. Calgary, the Calgary game wasn't a bad game. It was just a loss. They played well, and you got that vibe from the guys in the in the post game presser. Exactly. So if that happens, you know, I guess it it could be fine. But at the same time, you don't want to get into a habit of losing both games and saying, "Uh, yeah, no, it's okay." The Avalanche have all these points, and they have this big cushion. Well, it's like, well, if we're going to keep saying that every game, and they're going to lose five of their last, like if they lose both these games, they would have lost five of six games, and it's like. How big really is that cushion that you keep talking about? The big thing here is you're going to play both of these teams again. The Carolina Hurricanes, you play them now. You play them again in April. The Calgary Flames, you play them now. You play them again, I think, the week after, or a couple weeks after that, on the 29th of March. So, again, you don't need to win both these games. I mean, they very well could. It's the Avalanche. They could sweep through both of these games. We're talking on Monday about the trade deadline, laughing our asses off because the Avalanche won 5-1 and 6-0. Like, it could very much happen. You don't want to lose both games, but you don't have to win both games for it to be a success. I guess that's the best way I'm going to put it. Yeah, I'd love to see three points, right? I mean, it's kind of odd trying to call an overtime. That's always a, a shot in the dark. But I think three points would be a healthy healthy little two game stint here i mean it's it's more likely to have two points right win one lose one but you'd love to see two victories and have them back on the right track heading towards those easy weeks like i mentioned so yeah and and the biggest thing for me is how you get them like if you're gonna play two very shitty games and squeak out four points like yeah it's good but i don't think the team is gonna feel too good about yeah you know these were two key teams that were a measuring stick and we didn't really play well against either but the most important thing is again you play them both again this season in these last 24 games but 
Yeah, yeah and, I, I'm, and I'm kind of on the same boat as you. Right. Right now, the focus is on improvement. It's on tweaking. It's on getting better at all facets. I don't think the focus is so much on winning. Of course, winning is always the goal. Exactly. You take care of all those other things I mentioned. You usually end up with wins, but they're looking to make sure they're cleaning themselves up and looking sparkly clean on the way to the playoffs. That's the goal, but uh, we got a trade deadline to talk about first. I keep mentioning this because I can't, I can't believe it's only 12 days away. It's going to be so much fun. Like, our next podcast is in five days. We're going to be a week out from the deadline. Arif, I think this is our fourth season now together, and I've never met a single person in the world that loves trade deadline as much as you. First of all, it's our third season together, and you are absolutely correct. Nobody loves a trade deadline like I do. It's it's fourth season if you count the fact that the 2019... The bubble was another season. Thank you. Yes, I agree. The bubble <laughs> was pretty much a season. Uh, well, let's get out of here. This is supposed to be a short podcast for the midweek hit here. So closing thoughts, Patrick, Eric, you guys got any? I am currently taking a swing of my pre-workout. I want to go get a workout, in, so I'm good. Oh, yeah, let's get out of here before you start <laughs> start to tweet. I'm itching. I'm itching over here. <laughs> so thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Remember, if it's your first podcast you've ever heard of ours, please let us know. We want to know. We want to salute you and uh, say hi. Patrick, I didn't mean to insult you at the top of the show. If you want to reach out to Patrick, he's at Steadpatch, S-T-E-D, like his last name. Don't just look up Patrick Steadman. Let's respect the guy here on Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by... Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster, as well as the NCAA Hockey West Regional Championship. That being said, we'll be back on Monday, as Arif told you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we out.